the theme of this week's United Islam Awareness Week has been coming back home. This talk today is about after we've come back home, what do we do? Particularly reverts. And the title of my talk is Being Home Isn't Always Easy. Sometimes it's, it's not easy being home. We like being home, but sometimes we face difficulties. But now the question that I want us to consider in light of all of the shahadas that we got this week, I think it was, what, eight or nine, something like that. But now I want us to focus on that person. What can we do as Muslims to help these people out? These people have, who have reverted to the religion of Islam, what can we do? No, I'm not worried at all. I rely on God, Allah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah. Amma ba'd. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So first I want to thank the organizers of this event. There's so many, I can't even name all you guys, but they've been speaking thus far. So I'm sure you know who has put a lot of effort into making not only this event, but this week in particular, go by as smoothly as we possibly can. Now, for those who didn't um, attend any of my talks or maybe see them online, I just briefly want to explain a couple things of how we've got to this point. So. The theme of this week's United Islam Awareness Week has been coming back home, and I've given my own interpretation on that. As I was introduced, I used to be a Christian, so I used to be a Roman Catholic, and I converted to Islam about 10 years ago, alhamdulillah. And much of my talk this week has been about coming back home and an invitation back home to Islam. So. I've given my own spin on what I think that means and how I've interpreted it. But this talk today is about after we've come back home, what do we do? Particularly reverts. And the title of my talk is Being Home Isn't Always Easy. And I think many people in the audience can resonate with that. I mean, we don't have to get personal, but I think we know sometimes it's, it's not easy being home. We like being home, but sometimes we face difficulties. But like I said, for those who didn't attend my talks this past week, how I interpreted coming back home is based on a concept in Islam called the fitrah, which is basically the innate disposition that all humans have been created upon. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an in chapter 30, verse 30, So direct your face toward the religion, inclining towards truth. Adhere to the fitrah of Allah upon which He has created all people. No change should there be in the creation of Allah. That is the correct religion, but most of the people do not know. So with the Qur'an and also in the Sunnah as well, it tells us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created every human upon the fitrah, which is the innate disposition to know that there's only one true God, the creator of all the heavens and the earth, and submission to Him alone. Again, we have in the Qur'an in chapter 7, verse 172 to 174, says, And mention when your Lord took from the children of Adam, alayhi salam, 
from their loins, their descendants, and made them testify of themselves, saying to them, Am I not your Lord? They said, Yes, we have testified. Lest you should say on the day of resurrection, Indeed, we are of this unaware. Or lest you should say it was only that our fathers associated others in worship with Allah before, and we were but descendants after them, meaning we just blindly followed these people, our family, our friends, our neighbors. Then they asked the question, then would you destroy us for what the falsifiers have done? They're asking the question, are you really going to destroy us for what we've been led astray by these uh, false guides, people of misguidance? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responds, and thus do we explain in detail the verses, the ayat of this Qur'an, and perhaps they will return. So it's this idea of returning, coming back to the initial state, which we've all been created upon. So anyway, that's a brief explanation of how I dealt with this topic of coming back home, but there's a further invitation from the Creator in the Qur'an, which is, talks about the home of peace. So we can find that in the Qur'an in chapter 10, verse 25. It says, And Allah invites to the home of peace, which is paradise in this case, and guides whom He wills to a straight path. So imagine that. The Creator of the heavens and the earth is inviting you to the home of peace. It's not just in this life, but it's that so we have hopes of the home of peace and meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the next life. It's Allah, the creator of the heavens and earth, that's giving the invitation, not me, not Jake. I'm just a mouthpiece. I'm, I'm nothing. Allah is inviting you to that. Again, in the Quran, in chapter 6, verse 127, for them will be the home of peace with their Lord, and he will be their protecting friend because of what they used to do. So this is how I got to this point about coming back home and my interpretation of it. Uh, coming from a Christian background, coming back home to the fitrah that becomes clouded due to um, society and parents and influences and things of that nature. But now the question that I want us to consider in light of, mashallah, all of the shahadas that we got this week, I think it was, what, eight or nine, something like that. And we had from Brother uh, Abdurrahman mentioned and read out a text message from one of the brothers that actually converted who I had the pleasure of speaking to. But now I want us to focus on that person. What can we do as Muslims to help these people out, these people have, who have reverted to the religion of Islam? What can we do? So, first of all, is it easy being home? What does Allah say? Does He say that, oh, now that you've converted, that everything is easy? That Islam is just easy for you? No. In the Quran, chapter 29, verses 2 and 3, it says, do the people think that they will be left to say we believe and they will not be tried? But we have certainly tried those before them and Allah will surely make evident those who are truthful and he will surely make evident the liars. So we have to face the harsh reality that just now because you've said that you've believed and you've become a Muslim, that you are going to face trials. You see? It's not that you just snap your fingers and everything is sunshine and rainbows. That's not the reality. So what are some of those tests? Well, the Qur'an mentions just a few. In the Qur'an, chapter 64, verse 15, it says, Your wealth and your children are but a trial, a fitna, and Allah has with him a great reward. 
Again, in chapter 8, verse 28, it says, And know that your properties and your children are but a trial, and that Allah has with him a great reward. So these are just some of the trials that we will face, not just for converts, but anybody in life. And so how do we deal with that? There are some unique challenges for reverts. Everybody has challenges in, in this room here and in life. It's not just reverts. People who are born Muslims have their own unique set of challenges, and so do reverts. But I want to focus on um, reverts because I myself am one, and so this is a topic that is very important to me. So one of the challenges that reverts face is the possibility of family and friends completely abandoning them, completely leaving them behind and saying, I want nothing to do with you. In fact, maybe even kicking you out of their home if you're living with your parents. Um, this is the honest reality that we have to face that, you know, it's a bit sad that it happens, but it does happen. Fortunately for me, uh, it didn't get to that level, but there were severe challenges. Uh, I told this story as part of my talks and when people ask me questions, you know, when I converted, I was still living with my mother at the time. And, um, there was a time where my friend called me on the phone and he, you know, when we greet, we say, Assalamu Alaikum. So I answered the phone and I said, Salam, brother. So I went on to have about a five minute conversation with my friend, nothing about religion, nothing whatsoever. And when I hung up the phone, my mom turned to me and said, don't you ever speak Arabic in my, fam in my house again. And I said, wow, subhanAllah, I thought to myself, whoa, what am I going to say to my mom here? don't speak Arabic and I have to pray five times a day in the house and some of the prayers maybe she can hear or see what I'm doing and so that was a very difficult situation fortunately enough I wasn't kicked out of my home uh, but there were difficulties now that's just one issue family and friends but another issue is that when you embrace Islam as the brother um, was reading from the text message and maybe he's going through some struggles about certain lifestyle changes that need to occur. Whether it be, I don't know his situation, but could be anybody, uh, certain lifestyle changes that now once you're a Muslim, you can't be doing drugs, uh, drinking alcohol, eating haram food, uh, all this kind of stuff that a lot of, especially in the Western society and people who are of that age in their 20s, 30s, etc., are used to, their whole lifestyle must much change eventually anyway. As the brother said that he's working on it, and inshallah, slowly, I don't know what exactly his difficulties are, but he'll get better at um, working through them, inshallah. But there's another one, which is that when you become a Muslim, at least for myself, I said, wow, the religion of Islam is so beautiful, but the knowledge is so vast. There's so much to learn. I have to learn how to pray. I have to learn how to make wudu. I have to learn um, all these different things. The Quran, trying to read and write Arabic and understand what I'm saying in the prayer. This is something that even Muslims who are born Muslims need to get uh, better at. So this is another concern because people... Even myself, you get overwhelmed. You say, oh my God, there's so much I have to learn. What am I going to, where do I start? What am I going to do? So it could be overwhelming for people. Now, the last but not least is, 
And I've seen this, especially recently, even on social media, when people announce that they've become Muslim, it doesn't stop there because there are people who are detractors of the faith that will go and attack those people and try to talk to them and say, oh, don't you know about this, about Islam and this and this, and try to throw doubts or shubuhat at a new Muslim. So this is another problem that new Muslims deal with it. Now, what's the first line of defense? Okay. In the Qur'an, chapter 2, Surah Baqarah, 153, says, Oh, you have believed. Seek help through patience and prayer. Indeed, Allah is with the patient. So the first line of defense for a revert is himself by seeking help through patience and prayer with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Again, in the Qur'an, chapter 2, in the same surah, Surah Baqarah, Verse 186, and when my servants ask you, O Muhammad, concerning me, indeed I am near, I respond to the invocation, the dua of the supplicant when he calls upon me. So let him respond to me by obedience and believe in me that they may be rightly guided. So the first line of defense, because we can't, as a revert, we can't make it always about the community who's going to do everything for us. It starts with you and your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have to be patient and seek his help through patience and prayer. But besides that, what can we as a community do to help these new Muslims with some of their problems? Well, as I mentioned, some of them have a void because their family and friends have completely abandoned them. So what we can do is we can be there for these people as a community and we can try to help them establish themselves within the local community. It's not just about getting a shahada and numbers and saying, oh, we got nine shahadas this year. But of those nine people, how many of them actually stayed Muslim for the next year, five years, ten years? They need a process of being guided by people who have been there longer than him that can help them out with their process of continuing to further their understanding of the deen. You see? So we have to attempt to, as best we can, I know it's difficult sometimes, and again, it starts with the revert. If you've converted, you should be seeking help. You shouldn't always be looking just for everybody to help you out, okay? You should seek to try to establish yourself in a local community because it really helps. Now, as I said, that Muslim community should help to try to fill the void that some brothers and sisters may be lacking due to their change in deen. Not only that, and this is something that, alhamdulillah, my local community, or it's not so local, it's about 45 minutes away from me, but the masjid that I attend, we have a program specifically for reverts. And we, one of the uh, sheikhs there, mashallah, without mentioning his name, he has classes that are specifically designed for reverts. So when they come to the mosque and they convert, we don't just not hear from them for another six months and then we find out, you know, the guy left the dean or who knows what happened to him. We try to facilitate learning for them because they need to, now that they've embraced Islam, they need to know at least the fundamentals, the basics of their deen, the theology, the aqidah, the basics of fiqh that relate to everyday religious practices. These are things that they need to know. So we need to do our best to help and facilitate that. 
by having classes at Masajid, at local um, community centers, to help these new Muslim people out. Don't let them go and seek it on their own, because what they'll do then, they'll go on YouTube, they'll go on Google, they'll start looking, they'll get confused with all this stuff, they might come across doubts through their search of even just trying to understand certain things. Okay. Now, for as I said, I want to make it twofold. It's not always it's not only about the community, it's also about the Muslim revert himself. As I said, that many times because there's so much information, we get overwhelmed. We say, Oh, subhanAllah, I don't know where to start, brother. Shall I start by learning this or start by learning this? Or maybe I need to learn Usul al-fiqh or, or what? I mean, it's, the, the knowledge in Islam is so vast, people don't know where to start and they get so overwhelmed that they just say, you know what, I'm out of here. I don't want anything to do with this. Maybe they just break down and just blow their deen. You see? So to those people and those people who are newly reverted, my advice is pace yourself. Relax, brother. Take your time. You have a lot to learn, but you've got a lot of time to learn, inshallah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala understands that. He doesn't expect that you're going to perfect your prayer in 24 hours. Of course not. So pace yourself. Take your time to learn. Focus on the daily obligatory acts. Those things that every day are obligatory and those things that every day are haram that you know you can't do. That's where you need to start on those very foundational basics. Learn how to perform wudu. Learn how to perform the basics of the salah. This is what you need to focus on. Don't worry about all this other stuff and, you know, specifically worrying about, oh, I need to find out which madhab I'm going to be in and comparing the usul of the different madhab and all this kind of stuff. You're not ready for that. Just slow down. Take it easy. Don't overwhelm yourself. Seek knowledge with respected shuyukh in the local community. Don't be doing it with, you know, just random people that are not certified or equipped. Now, there's another important thing which I mentioned earlier, which is new Muslims dealing with doubts, which is something really important. We can't deny it. Although we know that Islam is the truth, Sometimes people in life, when they come across certain things, they're confused, they get doubts, they don't know the answer to certain things. Again, like I said in the beginning, be patient. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. Be patient. Relax. Take your time. Avoid anti-Islamic content. This is a very big thing, not only for reverts, but for Muslims as well. Why are you going on YouTube watching all this stuff from non-Muslim detractors of the faith when you don't even know the basics of your deen? Why are you not spending time in the masjid or with classes online if it's, you don't have that resource in learning and grounding yourself by, before you looking at all the objections to Islam? How are you going to answer objections to Islam if you don't really know what Islam is? And so now you go on YouTube and you get all these doubts and it happens because I get it in my inbox all the time. Oh, brother, can you answer this or this or this? And you think it's like, you know, Google, you just put in the answer and you spit it right back out and you're just going to get it. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You need to take your time. See, ground yourself in the deen. Seek answers from authentic sources, the Quran and the Sunnah and the shiyukh or the scholars that are, have been well respected in the community. 
You can search that out. Another important thing is there's a difference between not knowing an answer and there not being an answer. Many times we think, oh, because we don't know the answer to a question, we get all worked up and bent out of shape and we say, oh, subhanAllah, maybe there is no answer to this. Well, if you know Islam is the truth, trust me, there is an answer. I might not even, I know I don't have all the answers. SubhanAllah, that's why I go to other people that are more knowledgeable than me when I don't know the answer to something. But we must make the distinction between not knowing an answer and there not being an answer. Trust me, in Islam we have all the answers. You just need to be patient and seek out the right people in order to get those answers, inshaAllah. Now, as I said, there are local um, masajid and communities that are providing classes for new Muslims, but I think that's something that needs to be, even we need to put more effort into doing that. Not just including a, a new Muslim in a class in fiqh that the other students have already been studying for two, three years. No, we can have classes just for new Muslims with maybe 10 of them, whoever they are, however many are in the area, they're on the same similar level, and through that, they're also speaking to people who are in the class that they can relate to. That they have other people who are in the same position that they can relate to, inshallah. Now, another important thing, as I've been trying to stress, is for a new revert, is to focus on themselves. Focus on yourself in the beginning. I know that MashaAllah, the other speakers here have put an emphasis on Dawah, which I, of course, being part of Dawah, it is obligatory, right? But there, as um, Ustad Adnan mentioned earlier, there are different ways of giving Dawah. So when you're a, you just came into the deen, right? And you're a Muslim that just basically just took a shahada last week, should you be going out debating people in on YouTube, online, and going to Speaker's Corner, and all these different places? No, SubhanAllah, what are you doing? You're not ready for that. So you need to focus on yourself, and primarily in the beginning, do da'wah with your behavior, things that you can control, because you might not have the knowledge yet, no disrespect, and there are many things that I don't know, so I stay, at least I try to stay in my little lane, of what I think I know a little bit something about, and I don't talk about other stuff. Because when you do that, and see, one issue with new Muslims is, and myself included, is that when you first become a Muslim, you're so zealous for the deen, mashallah. You wanna tell everybody about it. Your whole family's Christian, you wanna go and refute them and tell them that they're wrong and come to the haq, right? But are you really ready for that? Because what happens now if you go and do that and the person responds to you and you don't know what to say? They bring you a doubt or they say something to you that you have no idea how to respond. Now, your initial intent, your niya, which was actually a good thing, turned out that you were actually doing something that was a detriment because now that person might have a negative impression of Islam. They say, oh, this guy's a Muslim. I just asked him one question, he didn't know anything. Now you're making Islam actually look bad when you had a good intention, mashallah. But the outcome was actually negative. So you need to focus on yourself. My advice is that you start by 
focusing on yourself and your behavior and your adab, specifically. Focus on that. Your behavior, even the brother actually mentioned, I think it was um, right after the prayer, even smiling to people is a sunnah, it's worship, right? You can do these little things as part of the da'wah before you're ready to start getting into all these kind of debates. You're not ready for that, okay? So ground yourself in the deen first, and then when you've acquired knowledge, you speak about those things that you've acquired knowledge about. So give da'wah in terms of that method when you're ready. Now, as I said, we have, mashallah, we have so many da'wah courses that, especially since COVID, have gone online. So some communities that you may be in, it may be very difficult to find Muslims in person around you that you can uh, take courses with. But alhamdulillah, with the uh, blessings and favors from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the time that we live in, there's so much stuff online. Now, there's a good part about that, and there's also a bad part because of the fact that the online, you know, anything really on Google, you can search up and you can get misinformation, right? So you have to be very careful with that. But at the same time, a good thing is that there are a lot of good programs online that you can actually access and get that information that you need. So if you are truly eager, then what I suggest is you do it right. You don't just start going around talking and when you don't really understand the basics and know what you're talking about. If you truly are eager and zealous for the deen, then you'll go and actually study with people who have studied and are able to facilitate and dispense that knowledge to you. So if you're truly eager, you're put in the time and effort and do it right. Take courses from respected, authentic sources. This is what I'm saying. Don't just do some Google search or YouTube and, you know, some, some guy, Joe, off the street corner, you're just taking some knowledge from him. No, make sure you check it out and see, is this person well-known or respected in the community? Don't just take your knowledge from anybody. Now, not only that, when you want to get into the da'wah, this is my recommendation, especially if you're doing in real life da'wah, which, uh, alhamdulillah, is sort of represented here, what you should do is take advice from those who are experienced, those who have been in the da'wah for 10, 20, 30 years. They know all of the pitfalls and ways to go and ways not to go. Maybe not all of them, but they know a lot more than you when you're just starting out, you see? So my advice is to become a shadow of one of those people. Hang around them. Go on the street, see what they do. See how they give da'wah. Take advice from them. Just sit there to listen and watch what they do before you even get involved and start speaking. And take your time and do that. And inshallah, you will learn. Because mashallah, I mean, I've been doing da'wah now for, I don't know, four or five years. So I have a lot to learn too. But alhamdulillah, we have brothers here who've been doing da'wah on a much higher level than me for much longer. And what do we do? I'll let you in on a secret, guys. We have our own little WhatsApp groups and our own little community of du'at. 
And we can turn around and say, listen, brother, what you did there was wrong. That was out of line. I don't know, I don't know what you were thinking, but that, you didn't do that right. Or we can say, alhamdulillah, that was great, brother. You did a great job with that. That's something that you need to do more, inshallah. And so we give advice to other people and you have to be, if you want to be in da'wah, you have to be willing to take advice from other people. Because there are other people that have been doing it longer than you who can give you that advice and save you time and effort and loss. See? So we have to humble ourselves and be willing to accept advice from other people, inshallah. In the Qur'an on da'wah, which was mentioned earlier by uh, Ustad Adnan, in the Qur'an chapter 16, verse 125, it says, in Invite to the way of your Lord with wisdom and good instruction, and argue with them in the best manner. Indeed, your Lord is most knowing of who has strayed from his way, and he is most knowing of who is guided, because what we have to remember is, when we invite to people to the religion of Islam, we have to do it with wisdom, hikmah, and good instruction. And when we argue, when we have to argue, because sometimes we have to, we do it in the best way. Now, some of us may not always live up to that. Even my, myself, sometimes we get upset and, you know, we need to cool down. But this is a verse for du'at to actually go back to and say, well, Am I actually living by this verse? Am I doing things properly? You see? And another important part is the ending of the verse that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows who is astray and who is guided. So don't be worried about it too much because as the other brother mentioned earlier, your duty is only to convey the message. Guidance is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You see? There's nothing you can do about it. You can do your best in terms of being a representative for Islam and giving accurate information and having good akhlaq. But at the end of the day, guidance is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You can't guide the people you love. You see? So we have to be willing to accept that. Even though the truth of Islam is so obvious to us, we can't say, oh, you know, what's wrong with this guy? We don't know. We don't know what's going on. There might be a legitimate situation. Just look at the brother who had been coming to these events for what? Three, four years. Imagine we said, you know what? Forget about him. He's been coming three years and he still doesn't get it. No, we didn't do that. We sat down with him and said, listen, brother, what are your questions? What's, your, what's stopping you from converting? Let's try to deal with it. You see? Now, on that note, Last but not least, the mercy in Islam, which is very important, which was part of my lecture. In the Quran, it says, in chapter 39, verse 53, Say, O my servants who have transgressed against themselves by sinning, do not despair of the mercy of Allah. Never despair of His mercy. Indeed, Allah forgives all sins. Indeed, it is He who is the forgiving the merciful. Again, we have a hadith from the Prophet wasallam. Beautiful hadith where he says, the merciful will be shown mercy by the most merciful. Be merciful to those on the earth and the one in the heavens will have mercy upon you. And this is not only with Muslims, this is with non-Muslims as well. This is part of our da'wah to be merciful to mankind. So why? So that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be merciful to us on the last day. So my last and final advice 
for reverts and people who have been born Muslim is that sometimes there could be cultural difference. There could be certain aspects that person doesn't get about the others. We have to be in our best way that we can without compromising in the deen, of course, be merciful to people and understand that they're coming from a different situation and try to understand that and do our best to make things easy for them. You see, we have to understand that everyone has their own unique challenges. I'm not trying to make it a pity party for reverts. I don't make that at all. In fact, I think it starts with ourselves. We need to control what we can for ourselves. But of course, I'm imploring the community to do our best to help them out in any way that we can, especially with grounding them in the foundations of the deen, inshallah. So lastly, I want to thank you guys for all the organizers for putting together these beautiful events. Uh, alhamdulillah, it's been going on for, I mean, the Canadian Dawah Conference has been going on, I think, five years. And United Islam Awareness Week, this is the 10th year that we've done. So let's do our best to continue to grow. I know that the Dawah is growing in Canada, alhamdulillah. Let's do our best to coordinate with each other try to come to mutual understandings and work for a benefit of good, inshallah.